If you want to grow a big business, then today's episode is a must listen for you. We've got Rupesh Sangavi on the show today, and he has built a significant size business, and he's going to be teaching us how he did it and how you can do the same too. So welcome to another episode of the Brand Builder Show, and welcome to today's guest, Rupesh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank appreciate it. Thank you. No, I appreciate you taking the time out. You sound uh, sound like you could be a very busy man, so I do appreciate you taking time out, and I'm looking forward to to learning lots from you today. Um, just to give us a bit of context, so people can understand your background, your areas of expertise. Could you catch us up on how your entrepreneurial journey has travelled so far? Oh, uh, sure, absolutely. It's been a phenomenal journey. Uh, one that. I'm, I loved every bit of it so far. Um, started almost by as an accident in 2007 when I was searching for a book, uh, college book at that, and stumbled upon um, an item that was selling for $40 on eBay, was selling for $1,600 on Amazon. And I, I grabbed it. I grabbed that book and sold it immediately for that price and uh, I couldn't be happier. It was a matter of scaling from that point on and scaling we did. Um, we like, I mean, at like some initial years, I always thought our business is changing every year. We, been, we, have, uh, we have been through a lot of business changes as the marketplace changes and the landscape around um, what we do changes so uh, we have been at forefront of e-commerce uh, selling across the world uh, selling millions of items um, millions of SKUs uh, we have uh, 12 brands now um, hundreds of people across multiple offices seven to eight offices so we have grown from where we started with selling one books and um, thanks to e-commerce that it is it has grown I mean we have grown with e-commerce and now it has become I mean this is what as a company we do so you are like a holding company that owns these 12 different brands and you Correct. operate that absolutely so um, we are a holding company or a parent group of companies that uh, I mean that holds uh, these 12 brands which is relatively smaller portion of all we do so our business is i would say think of us as a brand accelerator and brand aggregator brand accelerator in terms of brands or the that we don't own but the ones that we help them develop their online presence mm -hmm. um, through various uh, means and through selling on the internet. So the, uh, those are the brands that may not have a full-scale digital capacity to grow on their own or may not have a volume. We we help them grow without any uh, upfront fees or any kind of service fees, absolutely zero, not even uh, terms, condition, nothing, absolutely zero service fee. We just take brand at a whole, we, we acquire inventory at a wholesale uh, value and we sell it retail and that's in that process we grow the brand. 
Okay. And, and then, then we have a, yeah, then the second circle is the 12 brands that we have acquired. So whenever we, like after working with a, a brand as a reseller, if brand ever comes to a point where they would rather exit the business by selling it to a company that would take it to the next level, we are, we are in line for that. So we find a ways to grow. I mean, we find a way ways to acquire that brand and then grow under our own PNL. And that is how we have acquired 12 companies. And these 12 brands, you've acquired them all. Absolutely. We have acquired uh, all of them, 100% equity ownership. Yeah, yeah. Um, but rather than starting the brands from scratch, you've bought existing brands. Correct. Yes. So okay. we find it uh, easier to grow through acquisition than building it from scratch. Yeah. Why is that? It's matter of whether we want to do zero to focus our energy and resources on zero to one or one to ten. And we would rather go for one to ten than zero to one. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, in terms of the the journey of that, then, so you were reselling products like on a wholesale basis for these brands, and then okay. they decided they wanted to sell, and, and that's where you had that relationship with them, so were able to acquire them through that. Have I understood that correctly? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So that must have exposed you to some potentially good deals. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, we are fortunate to have been working with over 1,000, closer to 1,500 uh, brands across United States. Uh, primarily, our vendors are based out of US. Uh, we have some international vendors. And I'm fortunate that I have personally participated in many trade shows, visiting various brands. And to me, Trade shows are the landscape of creativity. I see so many unique products and exciting uh, ideas. So yes, I've been ex we have been exposed uh, to many products across multiple categories. And what sort of marketplaces do you sell those products on? So our primary um, selling venue is Amazon, mm. which is the highest. Uh, grossing venue but other than Amazon we sell across 90 plus marketplace in US and worldwide um, okay. and um, uh, so uh, I'm sorry I'm just putting okay so uh, we sell across 90 plus marketplaces ar ar around US and worldwide which would include um, we, uh, Walmart, Sears, Wayfair or target uh, there are multiple marketplaces that we sell across and mm -hmm. also we have 16 of our own websites uh, where we sell uh, for different vertical for example cute baby buy for baby products petto cart for pet products and so on and then we have 12 brands web brand website the ones that we have acquired so we sell across another 30 of our own websites as well wow amazing that's quite some operation you've got going on there and um Absolutely. definitely um definitely lots of questions i want to ask off the back sure. of that um you're 
yeah, lots of directions we could go in. But just initially on those, um, you, you mentioned Amazon. Is it just Amazon US or is it global? Correct. So we sell across Amazon Global. Almost, I mean, even exotic Amazon, I would say, uh, be it Saudi Arabia or Amazon mm. Singapore or Amazon uh, UAE, Turkey, you name it. We are present yeah. across all Amazon. In fact, at one point and even now, we were so well known across Amazon Global Circle that every t- like few months before Amazon launches uh, in a new uh, in a new um, country, they reach out to us because the size of our catalog and mm. our capacity to quickly ramp up that country. And catalog. you. You um, you mentioned some, uh, I like your terminology, exotic Amazon uh, locations. That's good. Um, what, what, are there any of those that are particularly strong, that you're particularly surprised by, or are they all much smaller than the US? Uh, they're all um, significantly slower, uh, smaller than US. Even the uh, second, even the second based is probably half the size of US. Um, so they are all uh, much smaller and kind of growing. Um, definitely we grow with Amazon in the local market. Um, one notable exception is that we have not been able to do well in China. I think there is Amazon China, but that is something has always eluded us. Mm-hmm. So other than China, I think we have done reasonably well with all Amazon growth. Uh, mm. to a different degree but I mean a word of caution that even though it's easy to think that um, I mean like you would be able to take a successful products or a well-selling products from US to international it's not that easy not that fast it takes time to build a brand across uh, outside outside main Amazon and also it takes some sort of investment in terms of localization of listings in terms of reviews in terms of inventory logistics management technology all of it takes some time and some patience to develop amazon international yeah i was my next question was going to be what do you think are the main considerations for sellers looking to expand internationally but you, you mentioned there obviously listings inventory you know the localization of of both of those um are there any specific challenges you can speak to that, that sellers need to be aware of obviously getting a listing translated uh, with keyword research done in the local marketplace it would be one um but and obviously getting inventory into the marketplace would, would be the other uh, obvious ones are there, are there any other things to consider one is okay this is i'm doing experience sharing of, um that one is do not i mean it is if do not make that naive mistake thinking amazon um sorry google translate or any kind of online translator would do the job yeah. um that's a definite no no and even even when you do it okay um sorry even when you hire a translator make sure say hiring translator is kind of a little tricky make sure that 
you go like one goes through a well-known agency or someone you trust upwork or any kind of a online um marketplace for translation i mean i loved upwork and many other but for translation what i what we have realized is that there are a lot of translate people posing as a translator will use google translate and will give you the output you don't know the language and that is where we have been tricked few years ago and so i hope nobody else gets tricked like i didn't think that hey like somebody from offer can use uh, google translate <laughs> and uh, actually like i mean so that was a little bad experience learned from yeah. it so yeah make sure that your translator comes from a reliable source essentially is what i'm trying to get the message across yeah do you find you have to um create unique packaging or anything like that say for saudi arabia singapore china i would imagine you what what needs to be done for someone selling a product with english packaging into those countries so uh, i mean there are some look uh, there there are some countries where they um, require a seller to have a, a unique packaging or you can put a little uh, translation book inside the box and that does the trick um, most part i mean people shopping i mean see if it's not required we don't do it because we expect that as long as we are selling the same product as it is listed on um uh, listed on amazon or local website we should be good and um unless it's a instruction manual or um something that is a necessary for them to use the product um i don't think i mean like we don't we, we don't go out of way to change packaging yeah okay cool just to give people some sense of size i know you, you sort of mentioned this elsewhere but in terms of revenue that the the business is doing on on the top line what are you achieving now um sure so last year we crossed 150 million dollar on the reselling side um and we crossed uh and we crossed about 20 million dollar on the brand side uh brands when i say brand side for us it means the companies that we acquired mm-hmm. and uh we are growing from that and like i mean we certainly hope to do much better this year so the companies that we acquired is going to grow is expected to grow at much faster rate than our reselling operations mm-hmm. but that is the kind of volume we do yeah, today yeah. nice yeah and so with that obviously would come quite a bit of complexity you mentioned millions of skews is that yeah. mainly driven by the reselling side or are you are you stocking a lot of skews with your brands no it is mostly reselling side and those are the skews that we don't necessarily have ownership of it uh, because we are still bootstrapped and we want to uh, be very cons- very mindful about profit as well so we don't just run down the price we retain the price for wholesale uh, for the brands online and um, in a very similar fashion um, we realize that it's in the best interest of vendor partners and us not to take the custody of all the inventory 
unless we have a specific plan for it. So we have a technology um, processes to set, set, sell the inventory without necessarily having to own it. And as long as vendor partners are working, willing to work with us, uh, we have been able to pull that off quite easily. Oh, fantastic. You, you mentioned um, previously about the importance of data-driven decision-making. Um, that's obviously going to be very important for you with that many SKUs, that much revenue. Can you give the sellers that are listening some insight into you know, why data-driven decision-making is so important and maybe some real-world examples of how uh, you know, upskilling in that area is going to help someone grow their business? Absolutely. So um, I always, since almost the foundation, I always consider us as a software or technology company first. And um, so technology is an essential part of everything we do, including uh, data analysis and uh, the, one, the one that helps us make the right decision. As they say, data is a new oil. And about decisions that we have made using data is almost all the critical decisions in the company, be it uh, what, I mean, uh, which, um, I mean, let me walk you through the process that when we start signing, we, when we sign up with the vendor partner and existing brand, the first thing that we do is to put that their catalog through our um, in-house developed proprietary software, which will tell us that which inventory to invest and acquire and which inventory to work with vendor partner to sell it but not acquire. So right from that as to where we invest inventory, then the next portion, once we have inventory that where we have invested and or not invested, we use a smart um, game theory based in-house developed um, repriser to make sure that our prices are optimized to the market conditions. So that is also software plus data and that then of course we spend our own money on the advertisement de developing brands that we, even we don't own and that brand um, we have a in-house ai driven software which will kind of tell us that effective ways of advertising sometimes just to share some of the numbers ben we have been able to achieve two to three percent of a cost in some of the cases in, in rather vast majority of cases that we invest so that way we are very i mean we are very data driven um, organization we care where we spend our money and but it helps brand as well and obviously uh, i mean once the brand starts growing um, the next step is to um, i mean if there is a time when we have to acquire the brand that is also we create a, a internal use case on how we are going to grow the brand and not only that we present that case to the potential seller and we make them part of the process that is look i mean i have a huge respect for founder and um, i would i mean we give them a plan we explain them why we 
why we want why our proposal looks the way it, it does and then we find ways to continue to work together because we don't want founder to leave the company after selling us and we have been quite successful at that so most of the key founders are still with us working in different capacity because we create a win-win situation for them based on our internal data analysis so these are some of the few some of the instances when they when the decisions are based on what we know and predict rather than what we think and feel the, you mentioned about deciding whether to resell or to acquire mm-hmm. what are some of the decision making factors you look at there to see a business that is some as something that you would want to acquire Correct. So, uh, the first when we start working with vendor, the first decision that we typically have to make is whether to resell the pro, like resell the products, uh, acquire the inventory and resell, or do not acquire the inventory and grow resell. Um, it's called direct to consumer type of a business model. So, the consideration when we have to make a decision is typically we prefer a fast moving um, i'm sorry we typically prefer fast moving item um, relatively small size to be in our uh, warehouse as a part of our inventory um, so that is that is the first decision we make and when it comes to acquisition of the whole business including their existing customer supply chain b2b everything that is a different type of decision most of the time i mean we let our um, vendor partners know that we are in a market and open to acquisition of the business but the first um, first talk or the hint has to come from the vendor partner that hey can we talk about it and that's when we go and talk because we want them to sell business only when they are ready perfect perfect okay and then in terms of inventory management that must be quite a complex operation as well uh, i imagine i imagine your technology solutions are helping you a lot there oh absolutely so i'm sorry um absolutely so technology is at the forefront of what we do and uh, managing so we have a software that actually processes millions of data points every single day in terms of price and quantity primarily so that we know if price or the quantity at the vendor end changes then we ensure that we update in our system so we make lots of api edi calls and when when i say lots i really mean lots and that is how um, we like the whole system works because our cancellation rate has to be less than 2.5% as per uh, Amazon and most other marketplace policy and we work hard to ensure that we comply with that cancellation rate. So absolutely um, our backbone is technology and we use it quite a bit. How does your inventory management operation differ from the brands that you own to the brands that you resell? Oh, very thoughtful question, Ben, I should say. So invent, um, so the brands that we resell, we just have to make sure that inventory, the invent, sufficient inventory is available 
for us to with sufficient inventory is available for us to be continue selling the item in one form or other when when it comes to when when it comes to um uh, uh, when sorry about that uh, when when it comes to reselling re, re, uh, sorry inventory sorry uh, when it comes to brand that we own um we have to make sure that we account for the whole supply chain including the production times including um uh, uh, transit time on the water so we want to make sure that we do account for everything and are you using a custom technology for inventory management for the brands as well correct mm. so uh, absolutely so we have to uh, when it comes to our own invent like when it comes to our own inventory we have to be able to look at projected sell of anywhere from 90 to 180 days from today uh, when it comes to reselling part of the business we are okay looking at the projection from 30 to 60 days from today okay. or yeah so that's a major difference at your scale are you finding you're having to work with a lot of um warehouses 3PLs what are you doing on that front or are you able to still send everything to amazon no that's a very thoughtful again um yeah so amazon is one of our major 3PL that we work with because it gives us uh, it gives customer prime shipping for free so obviously as much as we can use amazon 3pl great everything else i mean every everything else is con- um, managed through uh, 8 to 12 3pl relationships that we have around us across multiple warehouses we have one of our own but that's it, that's it just one relatively small warehouse more of a shock absorber uh, system of a last resort as and when we need it but most of our business happens through 3pl be, uh, beyond us and between amazon and other professional 3pl so when you order stock from a supplier do you typically get all of it sent to a 3pl and then drip fed into amazon or do you try and send some to amazon some to 3pl so typical our preference would always be to send as much to amazon as possible because it doesn't make sense to add an additional steps and additional hands touching the inventory in our opinion we rather pay amazon little bit more even if required to ship ability to ship almost everything to amazon um, so that is our preference because uh, drip feeding is a concept that i mean of course uh, we always have a some part of our inventory into 3pl because we still have to serve other marketplaces like walmart sears and so on so we we don't necessarily um, i mean are out of inventory outside amazon but we don't hold inventory to drift it to amazon are you what what about then when you sorry to grill you on this topic but i know a lot of our listeners will be keen to to understand how you're optimizing for this um when you ship to um amazon i would imagine correct me if i'm wrong there's not very often where you're able to send everything into amazon so if your restock limits 
are not allowing you to send everything to Amazon, what is the optimal process? Is it splitting that shipment and sending some to Amazon, some to 3PL? Is it sending every other shipment to Amazon? Have you found any good fit there or are you still testing that? Um, I think, I mean, the, well, I wish I had a, a, a better algorithm for that. But I think, see, I mean, as a, a reseller of a products, um, we, how do I say it? How do we, see, it's all case by case basis in mm. my opinion, because sometimes we buy quantities as little as just 100, 120. And sometimes it's, thousands okay mm. so uh, when we have such a variation in the quantity that we can buy from a vendor we we would prefer to buy only as much as we are allowed as per the restock as, as the stocking mm. limits which by the way amazon has removed um, as far as i know and if it's uh, our own inventory we work with factories to sometimes send a mixed shipment to Amazon so that not like one container has multiple SKUs and sometimes even multiple brands. Um, so that has helped us. But um, it's, I think we haven't found a common answer or common thread that works yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> um, okay, so Amazon then. You are obviously doing a lot of volume on Amazon. It's yeah. becoming more competitive over the years. It's a it's a more mature marketplace. Uh, what are you doing and what can other sellers do to continue to succeed on Amazon as it does, you know, undoubtedly get more competitive? Um, I think um, Amazon is, uh, I mean, to me, as my answer might be different tomorrow, but today I think listings um, and that too listing with the infographic is my most favorite way to optimize Amazon because when you have a key points with the image, that image becomes far more effective at selling than images without infographic. So, because, so I'm a big fan of infographics lately and of course, uh, um, smart advertisement. Um, I think, I mean, like it or not, Amazon loves minting money, obviously. And um, so advertisement has become a, a ne next opportunity field where the better performance marketer you have on staff the better you are going to do. And we are fortunate to have a great team of performance marketers. Fantastic. And then just to finish, what do you see for the future of e-commerce? There's lots changing right now, AI trends, lots of things going on in, in the, the space. Uh, Amazon, again, a very mature marketplace. Things are going to be very interesting over the next few years. What do you see for the future of e-commerce? Any interesting trends that you're keeping an eye on? Oh, um, I, I think at least um, at the visible horizon right now, I think AI is going to be a key driver of everything we do including listings to images to infographics to pricing to how we sell it where we sell it i think a lot of it would become far more uh, commoditized uh, for everyone so that would 
make competition lot more intense um and i think this ability to uh buy the product and make life better is not going to go anywhere i think um that is the nearest like that is the most uh, important trend i observe i think anything with 3d printing is few decades away so people are still not going to print what they need at home and they will rely on factory made products and um i think efficiency uh with which it would be sold presented on online is going to be very important um at one point a uh, live stock uh, like live selling was like took off quite a bit and maybe it is still going very well in asia but i'm not sure if it would be as effective in western countries uh so i don't see that to be a major trend going forward but yes ai and smart uh, smart uh, listing smart money spent on uh, advertisement is going to be the trend yeah yeah in my definitely opinion. so lots of opportunities still ahead <laughs> oh yeah absolutely Good. and and what's the end goal for for your company is it to keep acquiring brands and and then sell the business one day or or you just going to keep moving forwards and see what happens right so um right now our ambition is to uh, build uh, like i mean create a house of brand um ambition is to cross a billion dollar top line with 10% profitability so that's our goal um uh, in next few years and after that it's wherever um market takes us um uh, so we have few exit options on table now and i'm sure we will have few few more at that time but right now we are focused on getting company to a top line that is a good rounded big number <laughs> yeah no that's awesome i love it fantastic well this has been very insightful rupesh you obviously have uh, got a lot of experience and, and know what you're talking about so i do appreciate you taking time to come and share some thoughts and give some insight to, to your operation there um if people do want to find out more about you or connect with you in any, in any way is there any any place you want to send them to do that oh absolutely um i'm um... I'm very communicative and responsive I should say. Uh LinkedIn is one of the easiest and bestest way to find me. Um this is I mean Rupesh Sangavi but, uh running company Argod should be should easily take a uh, viewer there. Um other than that um if I'm allowed I like my email address is also very simple of uh, my first name at argodinc.com. So by like anyone can reach me by email as well as whatsapp <laughs> um i don't know if you use it ben but that's another great mode of communication and yeah, uh yeah one can reach me through that as well great well we'll leave the link to your um linkedin in the show notes as well so people can easily click through into that and uh, sure. connect with you there and um uh, and take it further and uh yeah honestly it's been super inspiring and so i do genuinely appreciate you taking time out thanks for coming on the show today rupesh oh, likewise thank you very much for having me ben and thanks for studying us so well and asking those intelligent questions i really enjoy our conversation Good. Thank you. No, I appreciate Thank that. You.
Good, good. Fantastic, guys. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that conversation as much as I have. Do connect with Rupesh on LinkedIn in the show notes below. And we will see you in the next episode, same time next week. Take care.